Hello, everyone. I'm Sierra. And I'm Ashley. And this is your Weekly Weekly Dose Dose of Wicked. ready for a great episode i am so ready let's go hold on to your socks i'm not wearing any socks well then i guess you don't have to hold on to your socks i have nothing to hold on to what's our great news sierra we have the best news ever because good things always happen to us that's right they do so we received an email from buzzsprout and it was titled you're going to pot fest 2023 So Buzzsprout is our podcasting host. They are the website that we use. um, Like they host our website. Essentially, they host our podcast. They are the ones who like put our feed on all of the other podcasting platforms for us. Yeah. So like our website is weeklydoseofwicked.buzzsprout.com. So essentially, they picked a handful of podcasters to take to Orlando for PodFest. And we were selected. Super cool. So... We're going to PodFest in a week from the state of this because it will be the 18th. So yeah, in one week, in one week, we'll be in Orlando, Florida. And how are we getting there, Ashley? On a plane for Sierra's very first time. We're flying on a plane and I've never done it before and I'm going to vomit. No, it'll be fine. I'm really scared. You're going to do great because great things always happen to us. Yeah, good things do always happen to us. So, you know. Um, that being said though, uh, if you love our podcast and you want to support us, we would very much appreciate any donations at all. Um, because you know, being told that you're going on a vacation, essentially, it's not really a vacation. It's a work trip, It's a business trip, being told that you're going on a business trip, um, with literally two weeks worth of notice makes it kind of hard to, you know, like be prepared to pay for said business trip. So if anyone wants to donate to help make our PodFest dreams come true, we've got lots of ways you can do that. Uh, you can donate directly to our Venmo, which is just Weekly Dose of Wicked on Venmo. Um, or you can do Cash App, which is just the money sign, Weekly Dose of Wicked. Any amount helps. If you got like a buck floating in there and you, you know, I mean, send it to us. We'd appreciate it. Anything helps. Because yeah, we got our tickets, but we still had to buy plane tickets. We had to pay for a hotel. We had to get a rental car because it made more sense to get a rental car than to Uber because Ubers from the airport to the hotel were $35. That's insane. And our flight home leaves at 6 a.m., which means we've got to get to the airport at 4 a.m. And I don't think anyone's going to Uber us at that point. Probably not. It's a lot of cost involved. So even though we're super thankful for the tickets, we still have to pay for all the other things. So if you can find it in your hearts... Like I said, maybe you've got a buck in there. Maybe you've got, I don't know, a couple bucks sitting in your Venmo or your cash app. Send them our way. We'd appreciate it. Uh, You can also always support us by joining our Patreon. How can you do that, Ash? Patreon.com slash Weekly Dose of Wicked. That's right. So you can go to Patreon.com forward slash Weekly Dose of Wicked. One of our four awesome tiers starting at $3. Ranging in price up to $10. Whatever you feel like donating to that you can do and the patreon comes with perks you get bonus episodes um for the month of january we've already released one we've got another one recorded ready to release next week we may have released a second one or we might be releasing another one this week we've got like three in the works that'll be coming out rather quickly so you know just throwing that out there if you can't get enough weekly dose of wicked then head on over to patreon get your fix there and if you want some cute, super cool swag 
you get a discount if you're a Patreon member. Patreon members get a discount on our Etsy page. So yeah, you thinking about getting a sweatshirt? Then join over the Patreon and get yourself a discount. All right. How else can you support us? You can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash weekly dose of wicked. Um, it's just another way to support us. Another way to support us is to listen to us every week and tell all your friends. That's true. That is 100% true. Tell everyone about us. Um, you can also give us ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts because you know how happy they make my heart. Sarah loves them. She really does. Oh, you can like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. That'd be great. Both of those are just Weekly Dose of Wicked. Search it in the search bar. You'll find us no problem. Our cute little logo will pop right up. We're also on LinkedIn now, if you care about that. We don't really know what we're doing there, but PodFest told us we should have one, so. It's not really set up very good, so sorry. Um, I'll work on it. It'll probably be set up by the time this episode airs. Well, maybe. The rest of the way. Oh, what else we got going on? I mean, that's really it. We're really excited for PodFest. I mean, it's going to be really great. I'm hoping we're going to get lots of from them to, uh, I mean, make a better show for you guys, essentially. That's that's why we're going, so. So we can yeah. be better. So we can better. Hopefully we'll make lots of new friends. I'm not good at that, so Sarah will probably make friends, not me. I'll make friends for the both of us. There we go. We got business cards so we can hand them out like candy while we're there with our little QR codes on the back that will take them to our website. So that's fun. That is fun. Yeah, we got lots going on. So anyway, thank you, though. We, we really appreciate you guys listening because if it wasn't for you guys, then we'd be getting tickets um, because we wouldn't have a podcast. Oh, also, what about the top 25% thing? Got some exciting news. We got our, like, year in review. Do you want me to pull up the year in review? Yeah, sure. let's talk about our year in review. Let's just talk about our year in review real quick here. Would have been cool to talk about that on the first episode of the year, but we didn't have it then. So No, they just sent it to us. We are, in 2022, in the top 25% of all podcasts. We have had, in 2022, 11.5 thousand downloads. We have reached 89 countries. We've put out 38 episodes which is 1,690 minutes of airtime. That is true. So pretty cool. Very cool. So yeah, exciting stuff going on, man. Exciting stuff in the world of Weekly Dose. And we're super thankful to Buzzsprout for buying us tickets, like we already said. But we're also super thankful to you guys because they wouldn't have probably recognized that we were actual podcasters had you not listened. That's right. It was not a random drawing. They selected based off of how you answered their question so i mean it's not like i mean good things do always happen to us but this wasn't a luck thing like they looked into it right and they thought we were good enough so just saying for anyone that didn't think we could do it we are doing it we're doing the things and i feel like once we get back from podcast we're going to be like rejuvenated we're going to be full of knowledge and we're going to be like ready to kick ass so yeah kick ass and take names yeah that's what we're gonna do all right. So that being said, Ashley, what are we ca- what are we going to talk about today? What, uh, you didn't even tell me the case. So what do we got? No, I didn't because I just finished it. Um, you know, four hours ago. I didn't know that, but there you go. Way to go, slacker. Yeah, sorry. I've really been slacking lately, but that's one thing we're going to talk about at Podfest. Podfade. We're going to talk about Podfade. All right. So, anyways, let's get started. Okay. So this, uh, I was going to say story, but that's not the right word. So anyways, so on November 18th of 2015, Matt Phillips received a call from a delivery company that they were unable to deliver the washer that he had bought for his parents as an anniversary gift. They told him that no one answered the door, so they would have to return the washer. So he called his mom, Pam Phillips. She said that his dad, Cat Phillips, was supposed to be the one at home to get the delivery. So she would call him to figure out why he isn't answering the door. 
Pam called him multiple times, and Cal didn't answer the phone. He wasn't really good at answering the phone, so it wasn't super unusual, but he was always good to call you back shortly after. So at first, didn't really alarm her. But when she hadn't heard from him some, for some time, she got a little worried and called their next-door neighbor. I'm going to butcher this name, and I'm really sorry. Ed Danzaru. Danzarau. You're not actually allowed to mispronounce names, Ashley. I know. I'm sorry. But, um, I don't know it's how to say a, it, so. But, well, I need you to do better. I'm sorry. D-A-N-S-E-R-E-A-U. Danzaru. Yeah. Danzaru. I don't know. Danzaro, maybe. I don't know. Danzaro. That's what I'm going to go with. I don't know. Anyways, Ed, he didn't answer his phone either. So Pam grew pretty worried. She ended up leaving work early to go check on her husband. When she got home, there was a message on their phone from their friend Marlene, who had called to check on them. Their um, dog was dying, and she heard about that. She wanted to send her condolences. She said in the message that she would just stop by while she was out later. So Pam called Marlene back. And Marlene gave her her condolences and then said that she actually did end up coming over there. And the door was open, but no one was home. And um, she couldn't find anyone, so she just thought they were busy. And she just figured she'd come back by later. Yeah. Well, they're on the phone. Pam says, hold on. I think I hear something. At this point, Marlene hears a weird noise, kind of like a squeal or a grunt, and then nothing. Pam, not on the phone anymore. I don't like that. Yeah, me either. So Marlene, along with her daughter, drove over to the Phillips house. She said that Pam's car was in the driveway, and she went to go in the house. She said that she put one foot in the house, and she just got, like, full-body chills. Like, something was telling her, like, don't go in the house. So she got back in her car, and she left. And she didn't call the cops. She just went home. That seems like a good idea. Yeah. So the next morning, on November 19th, an abandoned car was found burning and smoldering on a muddy back road near a field on the outskirts of town. And it was called in. When the police arrived. Fire? Yes, it was on fire. Hmm. That's always good. Or like it had been on fire. So it was kind of like. Right, it was you know, like Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. It had been burned. Yes. So That's the police good. arrived. The car was unrecognizable. It was so burnt. And immediately they smelled kerosene. Nice. They, you know, put out the rest of the fire that was there. They inspected the scene and they found two human bodies in the car. Next to the car was the license plate of the car somehow it came off the car and it didn't burn it was just like laying next to it did it come off or did like somebody remove it i don't know it just says that it was next to the car hmm. that's weird that it would just fall off the car but okay maybe like the screws burned first so it fell off maybe i don't know but anyways they could read the license plate so they're in the license plate and it was registered to pamela phillips figured so much. deputies went to the Phillips residence. No one answered the door. They saw blood outside the house and immediately got a search warrant. When they walked through the house, they didn't really see anything. No one was home. Nothing seemed to be out of place. It just seemed like normal house. No one there. Until they reached the back of the house and they saw like fabric sticking out from under a door. They opened the door and it was a door that led down to a cellar. At the bottom yeah. of the stairs was 59-year-old Calvin Phillips laying dead. Oh, well, that's sad. Yeah, super sad. He had five gunshot wounds, he was beaten, and had a half-burned stack of firewood next to his body. So it appeared that, like, after they killed him, they attempted to set him on fire to get rid of the evidence. Right. But on their way out, they shut the, the cellar door, so there was no oxygen right. for the fire. So it went out. 
Not very smart. No, not very smart at all. The police found a phone and a handgun outside of the house close to the next door house. This house was Ed's. His back door was wide open. They went into his house, and it seemed like he kind of left abruptly. The TV was on. The lights were on. There was a whole meal made and uneaten. There was a freshly opened beer can, and there was a gun holster laying over the kitchen chair. Like, he had just grabbed the gun out of it and left. Right. Um, they contacted his girlfriend at the time. Her name was Sally Jackson, and she told the police that she had been trying to reach Ed since the day before on November 18th and couldn't get a hold of him. She didn't live there. She lived about, I think, an hour, maybe two hours away. They kind of had, like, a long-distance relationship. He spent part of the time at her house, hours away, and then part of the time at his house. Marlene, that neighbor, had heard the news through the grapevine of what I assume is a small town. And they went to, she went to the police to tell them what had happened that day. I don't know why she waited this long to tell the police, but anyways, she did. Especially if she had information of something that happened. Right. Well, she didn't know anything happened. She didn't go in the house. Okay, but like she knew there was something wrong. Oh, I know. I'm just saying. I mean, obviously she knew something was wrong. I guess she just chucked it up to, she didn't actually see anything. So maybe it was just a weird, I don't know. But anyway, she didn't report anything, so. Their son, Matt, heard through a friend when he had saw on the news three people died in Pembroke, Kentucky, where Matt was from, and it showed Matt's parents' house. Matt didn't live in Pembroke. He lived in Louisville. He found out from the news that his parents were dead? He found out from his friend who saw it on the news. That's awful. Yeah. Oh, I hate that. That gave me chills. (laughs) (laughs) Did it? I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. That would really be horrible. A horrible way to find out. Yeah. And he wasn't even positive because they didn't like ID them. They just said that there were three people dead and then it showed. Like like, his parents' house. Like how awful. Ugh, I hate that. So he called his parents frantically over and over and over and they didn't answer any of his calls. Yeah. So he was brought in to identify his parents. Um, They were only actually able to identify his dad to begin with because his mom's body was burned. Mm-hmm. But he could only identify his dad through a picture of his face, which was only from the nose up. His face had like significant trauma from the beating, and they said it was unrecognizable. So Matt had to identify his dad from his eyes and his hair. <sighs> the DNA showed that the two bodies in the car were Pamela Phillips and Edward Danzaro. They had both been shot before the car was set on fire. At both scenes, there was virtually nothing left behind and nothing really for the police to go off of. Hmm. So they didn't really get anything until about a month later. A phone was brought into AT&T, and mm-hmm. the phone was identified as Pam's. The lady that brought it in said that she found it in her yard, and she just wanted to get it, like, reset and cleared. That's weird. Yeah, super weird. So when they hooked up the phone, they saw that it was Pam's, and um, I, it's a small town in Kentucky, so they know that Pam is dead, so they call the police. Right. That's super weird, though. Like, I found a phone in my yard, so I need to clear it so I can use it. Yeah. That's weird, right? I I think so, yeah. That doesn't sit right with me. Like, okay. I could see her being like, oh, I found a phone, and take it to the police. Can you, like, see whose it is? Right. But, like, she took it to AT&T. I could see taking it to AT&T and being like, hey, I found this phone in my yard. Put it back to him. But not like, hey, I found this phone in my yard, so finders keepers, it's mine. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's what it seems like, that she just wanted to... Just wanted so. to have the phone. Okay, cool. Was it, like, an iPhone? I mean, was it was, like, a nice phone? I mean... I mean, probably. It was 2015. 
yeah okay whatever so So when they say they're gonna call the cops she's like whoa no tries to leave the store oh so this lady her name was joan Harmon. Mm -hmm. she was actually their neighbor not right next door because that was ed but somewhere along their neighborhood road whatever right right and she was actually pretty close with the phillips she became close to them about three years prior when her and her husband, Christian Martin, also known as Kit, were going through a separation. Things were pretty vol- volatile between the two. There was a lot of fighting, but the last straw between the two of them was a domestic abuse incident, which resulted in the cops being called. There wasn't really enough evidence to support Joan's claims of domestic abuse, but the courts did grant both of them restraining orders against each other. And so Joan needed somewhere to go with the kids. And she moved into one of the Phillips rental properties. And they also loaned her a car. So I think they were just like trying to be like good neighbors at this point. I don't think they were like super close before this, but this is kind of what brought them close. Yeah. Like they were trying to help her out because she's having a hard time. Right. Because they're good people. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like it. So after she moved in with them, she had called Cal to help her get some of her things that she left at the house with Kit. Um, When Kit wasn't home, they went over. Joan grabbed one of the boxes. And it had blankets in it. And in the box, there was a computer with some discs. And Cal noticed that they said that they were classified and property of the Army. Oh. So Cal was in the Army Mm -hmm. previously. So he knew that this was a pretty big deal. Right. So he ended up taking them and turning them into the FBI, which led to an investigation. When they questioned Cal about what he knew, you know, he told them that, you know, he was just with his friend. They found it said that they were the government's property, so he brought it in. And then he also told them about some photos that Joan had showed him. Mm -hmm. They were of a young boy covered in bruises. And Joan had told him that the photo was of her son. It was taken after Kit had beat him. Oh. Kel also says that the boy admitted to him that his dad had abused him. So now charges were being pressed on Kit for child abuse, along with the mishandling of government property. Well, yeah, because, I mean, that's government property. You can't take things from the army. That's a property of the army. Right, and classified. That's a big no-no. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty big deal. Okay. So if Kit was found um, guilty that he would lose everything, he would be discharged from the army, he was you know, in the army for a long time, he would lose his pension, his insurance, everything. Right. So the trial was scheduled multiple times, but it just kept getting postponed. And it was finally set for the first week of December of 2015. Cal was the star witness here. Yeah. And he had died just a few weeks before that in that triple homicide. Hmm, that's so convenient for Kit. Yeah. So without Cal, though, the trial went on, and Kit was found guilty, and he was sentenced to 90 days in jail and was discharged from the army. I mean, yeah, I would say it was probably pretty easy to find him guilty, considering that he had property that's a confidential. Right. Whether Cal was there or not. At this point, he'd already moved on. He had a fiance. Her name was Laura, and she had some kids. They together moved to North Carolina, and he started working as a pilot for American Airlines. Oh, cool. Where'd they live in North Carolina? I don't know. Okay. Um, anyways, somewhere by an airport. <laughs> okay. So with um, this tidbit of information that they found, they are very suspicious of Kit. They don't really have any evidence against him, and of course he denies it. That's shocking. He has an alibi. He was home with his fiance and her two kids. Never heard that before. He also says that you can check his home surveillance footage. It does only show the back door. 
But that's fine because this front door is broken and nailed shut. So the only way in and out of the house is through the, the only way in and out of the house is through the back. Yeah, the front door is broken. Uh, that seems kind of weird. Weird. So the su- the surveillance footage at his house shows the back door, and it shows him getting home from work and going inside, and then it shows that he doesn't leave again until nighttime when he let his dog out. And Laura admitted that she was with him all night long. Okay. When they asked him about Cal being the witness against him in the case, he said that that wasn't a problem. He wasn't worried about the case. He knew he would be exonerated, which was not the case later. Right. He was not exonerated. So so I was very confused. I was like, wait a minute. No. No. When he talked to them the first time, it was like, before the trial, I got you. Okay. Yes. They talked to him pretty that immediately. Sense. That makes sense. I mean, they should have talked to him pretty immediately. Considering yeah. he seems to be good for the crime. Right. So he was sure he would be exonerated. He didn't do Never hit his kids. He didn't get that computer. Joan must have got it. She set him up. She was crazy. Why would Joan steal a computer from the U.S. Army? Just set him up. How would she even have access to that? I don't know. But he says that she took it. Is he insinuating that the U.S. Army just like leaves confidential information lying around? I don't know. She's just like a civilian wife, right? Yeah. So she wouldn't have access to confidential army information. No. But he says that she must have taken it and put it in the house. That's ridiculous. That's the stupidest thing ever. That's one of the stupidest defenses we've ever. (laughs) I mean, yeah, pretty dumb. But anyways, he told the investigators that when that previous investigation started over the computer and the child abuse, that he hired a private investigator. Her name was Mary Martin. He hired her to look more into Joan and dig up anything she could find. He wanted to prove that Joan wasn't reliable and that it would prove that she was capable of lying about the abuse. Okay. So the PI found a few lies that Joan had told. She told Kit that one of her sons had died previously in a logging accident, and that was untrue. He was alive and well and living in Oregon. Joan also told Kit about her abusive ex-husband. Mm-hmm. He was abusive to her and the kids, is what she said. So the PI found the sex husband, and he denied all claims. And he told the PI that he and Joan were actually still married. They never got a divorce. So Joan's the crazy one. So um, Kit took this information to the cops, and she actually got arrested for bigamy. Well, yeah, bigamy's illegal. Have you ever watched Sister Wives? They had to flee from Utah. I just didn't think they really, like, enforced that, but apparently they did. So, yes, they enforce that. Actually, bigamy is illegal. Well, I don't. I mean, I do know that, but I don't know. I just didn't think they really enforced it. Apparently, they do. They one hundred percent enforce bigamy. I mean, it depends on the state. I would say, yeah. I mean, once you once it's public knowledge, yes, that's why. Okay, I'm on a really big sister wives kick right now. You and the rest of the world. <laughs> okay, but I started over at the beginning. So you in and season the rest one, of the world. <laughs> season one, they had to leave. I mean, I don't know if it's, it might have been the beginning of season two, but they had to leave Utah because they came that like they came out public that they were polygamists, and right. the state of Utah was like, "We've opened an investigation because the Brown families made it extremely easy for us to prosecute them on this felony charge because they admitted it on you know on national television." Right. So like right. they were going to they were investigating they were going to arrest them, and that's why they fled Utah and moved to Nevada. I don't know why Nevada doesn't care, but yeah, I guess it would just be like the state. I mean, bigamy is illegal in all fifty states, right? I don't know. As far as I mean, now Utah, Utah did like decriminalize it, but then I think they recriminalized it. Like it was essentially just like a fine, right? At one point, but then I think that they upped it again to where it's like I don't know. Bigamy is bigamy is a big deal. Yes, you cannot be you cannot be legally married. Person. 
Yeah. That's why the whole I mean, polygamy thing gets me, though, because, like, they can't be married to more than one person, but, like, they're not trying to le- Like, bigamy is when you try to, like, legally marry, but, like, you're still right. previously married. But, like, with polygamy, they have a legal marriage and they have spiritual marriages. So, like, I don't really think that's actually bigamy, but I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. Doesn't really matter because the sister wives all fell apart and it's just Robin now. So there's no more sister wives. It's just a monogamous marriage. It's only Robin? That's it? Yeah, Mary left last week. Oh, I didn't know that. Mary. I think Cody left Mary, but nobody cares about the sister wives. Actually, the whole world currently cares about the sister wives, but. Yeah, it's a huge deal right now. Janelle and Christine left and then Mary and Cody put out a statement earlier this week that they were also separating. So it's just him and Robin now. Hmm. I didn't see that, but I'm not a huge. It was a whole big thing. I mean, when Sister Wives first came out, you know, 10 years ago, I was mm-hmm. into them then. Yeah. But no, not for me. I had lost yeah. some interest until I saw some some clips on TikTok. But yeah, I mean, and I was like, oh, I got to get back in the drama. I saw a TikTok that was made me think of you. It was like, um, when you, along with the rest of the female population, is rewatching Sister Wives. And it was like a girl like sitting on the couch, like eating popcorn. <laughs> yes i am i'm very i mean and i, I gotta like, be honest with you i can remember when sister wives first came out and i was like this is so stupid like why would they even agree to this um i don't i mean obviously i'm not a fundamentalist whatever whatever they are they're fundamentalist mormons right i have no idea i don't know whatever religion that is i do not follow that religion. um but i mean sister wives doesn't seem that bad you only gotta deal with your husband's bullshit every couple of days and you've got help raising your kids. Like, they just are like, oh, yeah, so so-and-so's got my kids. Like, it's, I mean, essentially, you've got, like, three moms raising all of those kids together versus the one I think dad. as long as you, like, all like each other, that would go pretty well. Yeah. Like, as long as you're choosing your spouses together. But that's not really what that is, right? Yes, they went, They all chose all of the spouses together, yes. Oh, okay. They did. It's they been all a voted. long time. They all voted to let Robin in. Oh, uh, but they all hate Robin. I mean, they hate her now, but if you watch the beginning, they didn't hate her. Hmm. Okay, anyways, this is not about the sister wife, so it really does not matter. We really got on a tangent there. <laughs> well, because you brought up so, bigamy. Back to the bigamy. She was charged. Bigamy is illegal. So, yes, she was charged with bigamy because it is illegal. As far as I know, it's a felony. I mean, in pretty much every state. So, yes. Okay, well. So, anyways, this PI talked with Cal, and he recorded it. Or she recorded it. So, then she played that recording for Kit. He listened to the conversation. And he felt like at the end of the conversation that Cal was leaning to testify on his side, not Jones. He said that he really felt like um, he realized that Joan was crazy and he thought maybe that she had more to do with it. I'm really torn here, Ashley. I don't know which one of them is guilty. Yeah, well, we'll see. I'm, I'm voting Joan. Okay. So Kit says... Because she had the phone. That is true. She did have the phone. So again, Kit says, Joan's crazy. She's the one that needs to be looked in, not me. Everything that she's doing is part of her plan to get back at him. And she told him that she would do that. Hell hath no fury like a woman's corn, so. That is true. So they looked into her, but there really wasn't anything that they could find that looked too suspicious. So back to Kit. Okay. So it was Kit. Got it. So there were also a lot of rumors floating around town that Cal and Joan had been having an affair before the separation. I kind of thought that too. There were two different witnesses that said they witnessed the affair, but Joan denies it. She says, nope, didn't have an affair with him. Didn't happen. But in that interview with the PI, she asked him about it, and Cal didn't deny it. He didn't say that it was true, but he didn't deny it. He didn't say it was true, but he didn't say it was wrong. Right. Okay. I see you, Cal. I was thinking you were a good guy. Yeah. We'll see. Maybe. Okay. So, I think he is a good guy. I don't know if the rumors about the affair are true. It's just really rumors. 
So anyways, a couple months after the triple homicide in April of 2016, Matt and his Aunt Diana are at the family house cleaning it out. And they found a bullet casing outside of the house in a wood pile, and they called the police, or near a wood pile. The bullet was a 45 caliber bullet, and that is the type of gun that was shot. And it was known that Kit had that type of gun. So a search warrant was granted for Kit's house, and he was at work at the time. In the search, they found that 45 caliber gun. A ballistic test was run on it, and the expert said that in his opinion, the bullet found was fired from Kit's gun. So that seemed like a really huge break in the case. But right. nothing else came of it. What? Nope, nothing. Nothing for three years until 2019. So in May of 2019, Matt got a call from the attorney general's office. They told him that he needed to get on the highway and go in a direction that he doesn't normally go and to call them back. What? So Matt gathered a few things, just like they told him, and he called him back. Oh, was Kit following him and going to kill him or something? That's kind of what they thought, but no. I was like, what the hell? Like, the attorney general was like, get in your car and go somewhere you don't go. Right. A little dramatic, I think, but. So they thought that maybe there was rumors that Kit was in Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. So that's why they told Matt, like, you need to get away from him. Right. You need to go and you need to do something that's not normal your schedule. I got you. I feel you. Stalkers. Oh, yeah. Okay. He's been watched. Right. So they did tell him that they were ready to arrest Kip, but they didn't really give him any more information. Okay. Seems like really great news to Matt. But then they told him that they, so they couldn't actually arrest him because they couldn't find him at the moment. Oh, that's fantastic. They lost him. Great. Yep. So they believed that he was in Louisville, Kentucky, which is where Matt was. That's why they told him to leave. Mm-hmm. So they told Matt to lay low. But it wasn't too long. They found Kip. He was at the airport because he was a pilot. Right. And... He was getting ready to fly out of Kentucky, and mm-hmm. they arrested him at the airport. Okay. So, he says that he had flown to Louisville just for work. He was just flying there. He stayed there for however long, and then he was flying the plane back. He said oh. that he, Kit remembers them coming to the airport. He said there were eight cops that approached him, arrested him, took his things. He said at that point, he really thought the cops just made a mistake. They had the wrong guy. He had no idea what was going on. Uh-huh. They arrested him for murder, arson burglary, and tampering with evidence. Okay, then. So his trial was in June of 2021, and the prosecutors laid out a pretty circumstantial case. The only physical evidence was that bullet that they found months later outside the home, and at some point, I'm not sure when, they found dog tags inside the Phillips house that had Kit's name on them. Okay. They presented the motive that he was trying to silence the main witness in that case that would ruin his life. Mm-hmm. They said that they believed he only meant to hurt Cal, and Pam and Ed were just collateral damage. There was a witness that said he saw Kit at the property where the car was found a couple of days prior. And then they also did a phone analysis that showed at 11.27 p.m. he set an alarm on his phone for 1.10 a.m., which I think is crazy. Like, I know everything can be tracked, but, like, so- that just seems like a lot. Okay, it's so crazy because I was watching another international not international. Why do you keep saying that? In investigative, whatever. I was watching another ID show the other day, <laughs> and they had evidence. Like they did, like a phone analysis on the guy's phone, and discovered that he had used his flashlight app for forty-two minutes during the night that this other guy disappeared and was buried in the woods. Like, how did they do that? It's crazy, right? Like, I, I mean, like, I know shit. everything's traceable, but like, I didn't realize it was that crazy. I didn't either. I was like, oh shit, they can tell when I use my flashlight. Like, I look right. up some weird stuff on my phone, man. I know. 
especially like doing up, this. Yes, like we look up some weird stuff. Like we better hope nobody comes at us trying to. Honestly, that's one of my like biggest fears is being like wrongfully accused. Yes, like we better hope nobody tries to frame us for like a crime because right. my phone's gonna be like, yeah. I mean, I do weird stuff, and also, um, like my work phone. You know, for a while it would like get messed up and freeze, and I'd have to leave the flashlight on for like two hours to kill it. Right. Because it'd be frozen. Like, <laughs> can you imagine? They're like, oh, there's a dead body found in the. And then they're like, oh, well, we noticed that your flashlight app was in use for two hours on the night in question because my right. phone is messed up. And so I right. had to, I fixed it now, thankfully, but like that was a, a pretty crazy normal occurrence. Right. Yeah. I just think like that analysis is crazy. And also like, like crazy can- alarms. My kids set random alarms on my phone all the time. Like sometimes I'll be sleeping right. and I my alarm will go off at like one in the morning because one of my kids has done it. Or right. my youngest is really bad at setting timers. Right. Yeah. She loves timers. On my phone. She loves timers. So there's sometimes where I'll have like a timer go. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That It's crazy the things that technology can do. That's scary, honestly. Yeah, it is. Very scary. Okay. So they knew that he set an alarm. So they knew he set an alarm for 1.10 a.m. So they thought that this alarm was to make sure that he was awake in the middle of the night to burn the car and take care of the evidence without anyone seeing him. Makes sense. But his home security footage didn't show him going out. Because he had a front door. <laughs> I mean, that's the stupidest defense. Like, that's the stupidest defense. My front door's nailed shut. Um, There's a hammer and nails. Like, you can very easily hammer your door shut. Or you could, I mean, if... That's the case, and you can't go outside. Like you have windows, right? Like there's so many ways. I mean, that's insane. That's the stupidest defense ever. Well, they said that when they searched the home, there really wasn't anything wrong with the front door. Like he said, it was completely functional and not nailed shut. I'm completely shocked by that information. <laughs> so that he could have used the front door without being seen by the security cameras, and that proved that his alibi was false. Yes, 100. percent I agree. That's the stupidest alibi I've ever heard. My front door's broken. I can only inspect door. Like you're a liar. <laughs> Do better, yeah, probably. You dumb, dumb, dumb man. Yeah. So his defense argued that they believed that the key evidence that they're using was tainted. Both the bullet and the dog tags they believed were planted at the scene, after the fact, and Kit believed that Joan was the one who did it. Ah, it's possible. Kit was their star witness, which, you know, that's not a good idea. But surprisingly, he did pretty good on the stand. Okay. So the bullet wasn't found. Until months later. Right. He said that Joan had access to where the gun was and the bullets. You know, yes, they were separated, but she still had keys to everything. She still had keys to their house. She still had keys to his car, to his or truck, whatever he drove. And that's where he kept the gun. That seems rather stupid. I mean, yeah, probably. Allow your ex-wife access to all of your belongings. And okay. Well, maybe it was okay, her house too. He couldn't just like kick her out. Okay. So anyway, she still had access to everything. So he said that she could have used them. He could, She could have used the gun to shoot them. She could have taken the bullets to frame him. And he also said that the dog tags weren't authentic dog tags. Oh, okay. He said that if the military had issued those dog tags, they would have had his legal name on them. They would have said Martin, Christian R. Yeah, that's, I mean. But instead, the dog tags that they found at the scene said Martin, Kit. Yeah. And he said that the military would not have done that. They wouldn't use Kit. They would have used his legal name. I agree. They also, his defense also argued that whoever did this crime 
was really good at getting rid of evidence. So why would he make such a stupid mistake to leave his dog tags behind? That is a stupid mistake, but he's not a very smart man. Well, if it was him, though, he did a really good job getting rid of all the other evidence. There were no fingerprints anywhere, no DNA that they could find. I mean, I'll give him that. He also says that that alarm on his phone, he did set it, but it was because that he got a new kerosene heater that week, and that was the first time that he had used it. So he wanted to make sure that it was functioning properly so he didn't hurt anyone. I can get behind that. So he set an alarm to wake up in the middle of the night check kerosene heater. He denied having anything to do with the murder. He again brought up the fact that he wasn't even worried about Cal being that witness. You know, that's what they kept saying, that he, that was his motive, was Cal being that witness. But he said that he wasn't worried about Cal at the trial. He was really certain that Cal was going to testify on his behalf, not Jones, and he really thought that everything would be fine. It wasn't. But at that point, he really thought it was going to be. He really believed that Joan had set him up to get back at him for their nasty divorce. The defense also argued about that phone. Pam's phone was found by Joan. It is sketchy. And she did just want to use it. Right. And then when they told her the cops were coming, she tried to leave. She was like, ho-ho, no thanks, bye. I agree, that's sketchy. So they tried to call Joan to testify, but she invoked her Fifth Amendment right to not incriminate herself, and she couldn't be questioned. Oh, that's not sketchy at all. So the defense argued that once you took out those main... Two pieces of evidence that was tainted. There was really nothing against Kit. There was no DNA. The murder weapon could have been used by his wife. So yeah, nothing really against Kit. Okay. So, I don't know. Seems like a pretty good defense to me. It's kind of making me a question. Who was it? Was Uh, it Joan? Was it Kit? It's making me question it as well. I give Kit some props. I I don't really know. So the jury deliberated for seven hours. They didn't agree. They found Kit guilty. I don't know. How could they, without a reasonable doubt, I don't, I have reasonable doubt. Right, me too. That's kind of crazy. So they found him guilty on three counts of first-degree murder and arson. And he was sentenced to life in prison with no parole. He still claims that he's innocent and he blames Joan. Uh, His fiancée, I'm not sure if she's still his fiancée, but she still stands by him and believes that he's innocent. I would assume they're not really fiancés anymore, but I don't know, couldn't really find that. And Joan still won't talk. She won't talk to the media. She doesn't do interviews. Nothing. Pulled the Fifth Amendment. So, I mean, yeah. I'd say that she probably has something to do with it. Right. Wow, that's crazy. I don't know. I don't know how I feel. I feel uneasy about that. Yeah, me too. I don't like it. I I, I don't know. I was going back and forth. I mean, he's kind of dumb with a stupid defense about his front door. But I don't know. Maybe they did it together. Maybe. But then you think he would have squealed. So, I don't know. Yeah, but also, like, what I don't understand is the motive. Of Joan or? Either one. Because they say that Kit's motive was trying to get rid of a witness. Right. But he says, and his PI says, that he wasn't worried about it. Right. That he thought Cal was going to be on his side, not Joan's. Mm Mm-hmm. But why would Joan kill him? What was her motive? Because he was going to be on Kit's side and not hers. I mean, is that really worth killing someone over, though? If she hates her ex-husband enough that she wants to ruin his life. Um, I, yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, if she did, in fact, steal government property from the army, then yeah. Because, I mean, if I mean, he's yeah. not if he's not getting charged because he's on Kit's side, I would assume that they would then charge her. Right. Yeah, maybe. If that were to come out. I don't know. That's crazy. That's really crazy. I mean, it's sad. It's horrible. And it seems like Ed, was, Ed and Pam were just like... Yeah. Collateral damage. Yeah. You know, Pam, I think, just got, like, she wasn't supposed to be home. Right. 
She came home to check on her husband. That's probably why she died. Right. And then Ed was probably like heard. Heard the commotion. And he went, he grabbed his gun and went over there to protect his neighbor. Right. That's awful. God, he left his whole him. meal. I know. Like that's like sucks. lights on, TV yeah. on, his whole and meal. And just like a little, uh, like an old man. Yeah. I don't know how old he was, but older. I looked up pictures of him. He's an older man. Yeah. That's so sad. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. Not a good one. No, it's not a good one. It was interesting, but that sucks. Hmm. So, yeah, that's all. Hmm. Well, thanks for sharing. <laughs> You're welcome. You sound disappointed. I'm just, it just sucks. Like, it's sad. It sucks. Yeah, it does suck. All right, well. All right, guys. Catch us next week for your last episode before we head to Orlando. Oh, yeah, I guess it will be Wednesday. It's the day mm-hmm. before we leave. Yep, it will be. So we'll see you next week for another Weekly Dose of Wicked, man. Peace out. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. If you like what you heard and you want to support a small podcast, please give us money at www.patreon.com forward slash weekly dose of wicked, where you can join one of our four amazing tiers, starting at just a measly $3 a month. That's literally 10 cents a day. You can join the Slightly Wicked. After that, we've got the Moderately Wicked for just $5 a month, followed by the Awesomely Wicked for $7 a month. And for those high rollers, big ballers, we have the Extraordinarily Wicked. So head on over, check it out. If you like what you see, join it up. If subscriptions aren't your jam, head on over to www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash W-D-O-W where you can give us a one-time donation to buy us a coffee or, you know, like podcasting equipment, which would probably be a better use of our money. Feel free to give us a follow on Instagram at weekly underscore dose underscore of underscore wicked or you can just search weekly dose of wicked and we'll pop up because we're the only ones. Or you can give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash weekly dose of wicked. Or, you know what, you could just do both, because that would be better for us. For a direct feed of our podcast, please go to www.weeklydoseofwicked.buzzsprout.com. Great news, guys. We've made it big time, and you can now listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Yep, yep. Even Pandora, they finally let us in. Make sure to come back next Wednesday for your Weekly Weekly Dose of Wicked. Wicked. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.